What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. It is SNY.TV's The Juice on the Cuse podcast, covering Syracuse basketball, lacrosse, and football. Today on The Juice on the Cuse podcast on SNY.TV, we'll be talking about 2016 signing day and an overtime win against Virginia Tech. I'm Wes Chang, and I'll be joined later by Brad Bierman, and our guest today is Syracuse.com, Stephen Bailey. Stephen, thanks so much for coming on the program. I appreciate you having me on, Wes. And Stephen, we'll get you started on this one. Syracuse able to hold off late pushes from Kentucky and Georgia to keep defensive end Jaquan Nelson. How big of a coup was this for Syracuse? You know, I think it was uh, the signature win of the class. Uh, Jaquan Nelson, the three-star defensive end from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Uh, good pass rusher, very good in high school. Syracuse needs um, some help at defensive end. So once, once fall camp rolls around, I think Jaquan Nelson is a, a pretty good candidate for a guy who could see the field early. Steven, it wasn't all good news for Syracuse on Tuesday with Rashad Smith announcing that he was flipping back to Florida Atlantic. What happened there? Yeah, um, I think it was just a case of him wanting to play closer to home. Um, he went to Homestead High School, which is, I think, about two miles uh, away from FAU. So, you know, he said that that was a factor, being able to play early. Um, you know, my understanding is it didn't come as a big surprise to folks inside the program. Uh, Rashad was previously committed to FAU. Uh, and then flipped to Syracuse. He was also on that big visit weekend of January 22nd, and he went back. So uh, an outside linebacker who, who seemed like, uh, you know, would have some talent, but um, I think he was more of a depth guy in the class uh, than one of the premier players. But as is the case with recruiting, you really never know who's going to pan out uh, until a couple years down the line. Steven, I look at this recruiting class, and I see the Midwest, I see the Florida pipeline, but what I see missing from this is a single recruit from New York or New Jersey. Should Syracuse fans be worried about this? Well, I don't think so. Um, and the explanation that the head coach Dino Babers provided was, uh, you know, basically this staff had two months to fix up the recruiting class before National Signing Day. Uh, they looked at guys in New York and New Jersey and, and overall in the Northeast and came to the conclusion that, uh, you know, there weren't a lot of realistic targets that were kind of above the bar that they had set. Um, so they looked elsewhere. You know, they went into the Midwest. They went to Florida. Uh, they do have a couple guys from Pennsylvania uh, and a guy from Maryland, so not too far away. But, but uh, you know, Dino was pretty clear about it. He said starting, you know, even this spring, they're going to they're gonna dig into New York, dig into New Jersey, uh, and try and pull some of the better players from those states. Um, that'll be interesting to see how this new staff uh, fares there, how they can build relationships. Tight ends coach Reno Ferry has been to some schools in New York. Um, he's a guy who has very good ties in the DMV area. Uh, so the 2017 cycle is going to be telling for that Northeast recruiting, especially in New York and New Jersey. Um, I, you know, I think we could see some local prospects up here for the spring game, which looks like it's going to be April 2nd, uh, maybe even for, for other practices and, and things of that nature. So you know, we'll find out real soon just how uh, just how much Dino Babers is going to back up that talk about recruiting the Northeast. 
Steven, Syracuse added 20 new players to their team, but do you see them adding any more before the 2016 season begins? Yeah, and I, I definitely expect Syracuse to add uh, at least one or two more players, maybe three. Uh, it, it's going to depend on a few things. There's always naturally attrition um, from the scholarship total, so teams are allowed to hold 85 total scholarship players. Uh, guys will transfer, guys will be medically disqualified. You might have a recruiter too, not qualify academically. Um, all sorts of things, and then on the other on the other hand, a walk-on could be given a scholarship. So those numbers are constantly changing. Uh, right now, Syracuse is at 84 scholarships. Rashad Smith would have been 85, um, but but I would expect at least two or three more scholarships to come open. Uh, Syracuse can look at JUCO guys. They brought in outside linebacker Ted Taylor last year. Uh, you know, he was pretty much the fourth linebacker by the end of the year, and, and I thought he was a really strong contributor. So I think we'll see guys like that, especially. Um, considering once you get through spring ball, the staff might have a better idea of what it needs, you know, what holes can be plugged, who would they rather wait for uh, a four-year guy in the 2017 class. Uh, but definitely, uh, I think at least at least a couple more names will be added. Could be as many as three or four. And, Stephen, we'll get you out of here on this one. Overall, how should Syracuse fans feel about its first recruiting class? You wrote earlier in the month that this is SU's highest overall recruiting class since recruiting services started offering these rankings. Yeah, uh, the most the most talented. Um, and just to clarify, that's average player rating um, because recruiting classes, when they rank them, they, they factor in both, qu- both quantity and quality. So Syracuse only has 20 guys, maybe uh, – a 25 or 26 recruit class with less talented guys could rank higher than that uh, in previous years. So, yeah, the, the most talented class since at least 2000, which was on 24-7, started doing their composites. I think Syracuse fans should be happy. I think it's a good class. Uh, a lot of solid three-star guys. Um, again, we'll see how they pan out. But um, a, a good foundation to build on for 2017 when the staff has – uh, you know, a full cycle to recruit, and then even 2018 when they're probably caught up to the other coaching staffs who have been, you know, recruiting current high school sophomores already. Uh, it really is crazy, um, you know, how early that process all starts. Uh, and, you know, the more time these coaches are here and, and you know, recruiting younger and younger players, I, I think the more benefits they'll be able to reap. Stephen, thanks so much for coming back on. Again, Stephen Bailey from Syracuse.com. Great job as always on NLI Day. Always a pleasure to have you on, and we'll talk to you soon. Hey, anytime, Wes. I really appreciate it. Again, great job from our friend Stephen. And I'm now joined over the phone by the Juice Online Editor-in-Chief and my very good friend, Brad Bierman. Brad, how are you today? I'm doing well, Wes. Thank you. And Brad, Syracuse with a 68-60 overtime win against Virginia Tech on Tuesday night. The Orange had to overcome a seven-point deficit with two minutes left in regulation. Brad, I think everyone thought the Orange was done at that point. Certainly, Wes. I was thinking, like, is this going to be one of those defeats we see each year against a team they had no business losing to at home? It certainly looked that way, and you had to give Virginia Tech a lot of credit. They had played just two nights before on a road trip. But it's defense. Syracuse is winning with defense. They stopped the Hokies enough down the stretch, including on that last attempt for Virginia Tech to win, and they had the ball late in regulation, giving Syracuse even that one final chance to win it themselves in regulation. So winning with defense, and then, of course, mixing that with very, very clutch shooting. And we know the senior leadership, the fifth-year guys in the backcourt have been clutch all year in Michael Benajay and Trevor Cooney. 
Brad, you mentioned this in your instant juice on Tuesday night with Syracuse going with the alternate uniforms. They never really seemed to do that well. I remember a couple years back, Syracuse donned those gray uniforms against USF, really struggled against them. That actually seems to be a pattern when Syracuse goes with these alternate uniforms. Well, here's my thoughts on uniforms. I'm all for alternate uniforms. Mix it up. I know the kids love it. So I'm all for that because it's all about the kids. Just put them in the rotation then all the time. It's when they do these one-offs, when everything's been going well in a season, and then here comes that one game because contractual reasons with Nike, they don these uniforms that Nike concocts, and then all of a sudden they have bad karma. <laughs> Losing to BC two years ago never should have happened. You mentioned the South Florida game. They lost in those blue uniforms at Notre Dame back in 08, and I was certainly thinking that last night. Look, I love those Chiefs uniforms last night. They look great, or, or I mean in Tuesday night's game. And, you know, I'm all for it, but, yeah, <laughs> I think sometimes you have to wonder if the kids think about these things or whatnot. Brad, let's take a look at the big picture now. With the win, Syracuse now 16-8 and on the season and for the first time has a winning record in the ACC at 6-5. and five. It seems the Orange is in control of its own NCAA tournament destiny if they beat the teams they're supposed to beat. That's the key. Beat the teams they're supposed to beat. And as you look at the uh, the season now at 6-5 and five in the ACC and the seven games left, looking at 9-9, and 10-8, nine, or best-case scenario, 11-7. And, and, Wes, when you look at the schedule, I think it pre- pretty much plays out, again, if everything would fall into place, that there's no reason why Syracuse couldn't win 10 games in the ACC. That would be really important to get to double-digit victories. And then, you know, right now, as the standings are, they'd be in that 8-9 game, uh, the first game in the second day of the ACC tournament. And you know who the opponent would be as of today? Duke. (laughs) How's that for a first game in the ACC tournament? So really important to win the games they should as the regular season plays out and could give them a chance at a 10-8 ACC regular season record. Brad, we're right at the end of our show. Your closing thoughts. My closing thoughts, and I know you went into detail with Stephen Bailey on football recruiting, but boy, I'm just so impressed so far. No games have been played, Wes, but Dino Babers and how he is running the Syracuse football program. This is not your father's Syracuse football program. He is modernizing everything from recruiting, the staff, the training, just so much to be impressed upon just a couple of weeks or just you know a month or so into his reign and running the program. Just really impressed with recruiting, letter of intent day, everything going on with Syracuse football. I agree, Brad. He's done a great job so far. I hope that his performance in the season matches his start. And my closing thoughts are on former Syracuse star Eric Devendorf, who will play in the Beat the Water Crisis Celebrity Basketball Game on Saturday, February 20th from 2 to 7 p.m. to benefit residents of Flint, Michigan affected by the water crisis. Make sure to get more information on the game by going to cmbbasketballtraining.com. So happy to hear about a Syracuse alum stepping up in his home state, Wes. That's it for us for Brad Bierman. This is Wes Chang reminding you that a bear with no teeth is called a gummy bear. You've been listening to the Juice on the Cues podcast on SNY.TV, and we'll see you next time. This has been the Juice on the Cues podcast, part of the SNY.TV podcast network. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. 
If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com/play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy.